QAV. QAV. I feel like we should have like some voiceover girl doing QAV. No? Okay, welcome back to <laughs> QAV. This is like late night FM. It is. <laughs> welcome back to the uh, QAV podcast. Uh, my name is Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston. How are you this week, Kino? Very well, thank you. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. Um, now, uh, we had a, a sort of a rough plan for today's show. You said you were going to talk about one that you got wrong, but mm-hmm. uh, then it, you, you said that you've looked at it and it's maybe things have changed. Why don't you tell the story? Yeah, sure. So I wanted to get back to doing a checklist, a QAV checklist, for one of the stocks I have Bought and sold in the past and bought again about a month ago. Um, the share price had declined, but in the last week it's kicked up again. Uh, so, yeah, I'll make of that what you will. Um, I'll go through it, though, so we can analyse it. It's called Apollo Tourism and Leisure. The ASX code is ATL. This is a small cap company, uh, and uh, it's basically very heavy into the recreational vehicle, the RV space and caravans. So it's been around since about 1985, was a family owned business for a long time and the family still have a large shareholding in the in the company even though it's listed. Um, and they're pretty much vertically integrated. So they have the license to bring in RVs from the States like Winnebago's. Uh, they also manufacture RVs in Australia, and they rent them out, or they sell them, but they also rent them out. Got it up on the ASX. Apparently, it's trading yeah. at exactly $1.0000 today, <laughs> right at this particular moment. Yes, that's precision. It was trading at 101.5 this morning when I did these these numbers, so it's gone down a little bit. Tell us your story. Now, before you get into that, I want to just point out to people, if they're listening for the first time, what we're providing here is just Tony's personal thoughts and opinions. This uh, should not be treated as financial advice. We're not financial advisors. We don't know you. We don't know your circumstances. If you want financial advice, go see your financial advisor. Don't listen to a bloody podcast and think that's financial advice. What's wrong with you? We, we, now, if you want sex advice, you come to us. But financial advice, go to a licensed professional. I don't know if I feel qualified to give out sex advice, but you can. <laughs> <laughs> if you want sex advice from a 56-year-old male, yeah, sure. But <laughs> <laughs> seek a second opinion. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so... Okay, so I, wonder, I picked out ATL uh, for one reason, and that was to highlight the fact that the share price has been going down. And, of course, since we spoke last week, it's ticked up. Is it ticking up because you said we were going to talk about it? <laughs> Is that the kind of influence we already have on this podcast, Tony? You didn't even tell oh, anyone funny. except me, and it, and, it, and, it, and it picked up. Wow, that's, oh, that's, that's amazing. That's great. Yeah. We can make a lot of money with that kind of influence. <laughs> Sorry, I uh, keep going. No, don't know. I, I suspect one of the reasons why it may have picked up, and oftentimes stocks do at this time of year, is it's probably paid out its dividend, and so people who were waiting for that to happen have maybe sold the stock or um, or stopped selling the stock, uh, and now people are buying back into it ex-dividend. 
So often, oftentimes what happens when a stock goes ex-dividend, the share price drops. Um, it's by, I guess by logic, it should be by the same amount as the dividend yield, but often it's not because people will see a falling stock and sell it because the, you know, they're following the trend. But oftentimes that's a sign when that sort of selling stops, the stock can tick up, and which I think is probably happening in this case. But anyway, I don't, I don't know exactly why. The reason why it was going down, if you look at the share price graph, it, it reached the peak of around $1.80, $1.85 in about a year ago. And it's now trading, as you said before, a dollar. So it's dropped down a lot. Um, in that period, uh, I think probably the biggest thing that happened to, to cause people to sell is at the half-year results, they uh, announced that they were uh, down, I think, in profit by about 8%, and they lowered their guidance to the lower end of their range for the financial year. So a lot of reasons for that. Um, they claim in their in their half yearly uh, presentation that they have been staffing up for growth and that uh, they're still predicting growth going forward. And this is a company which is growing quite rapidly. They they started off in Australia. They're pretty strong in New Zealand, but they're also getting stronger in Canada, North America in general, and the UK. So they've done a, a few takeovers. One of the things that we'll see as we investigate this stock is it's throwing lots of operating cash off and that's enabled them to borrow to acquire companies um, and use that cash to, to repay the debt. Um, I suspect, as you often see sometimes in these small companies that are growing, it can have teething problems. So there's possibly a bit of that going on at the same time. They're growing all over the world, but they're a small company trying to service lots of different markets that can have um, a few complexities to it. They haven't called that out as a problem, so I'm just guessing that that might be behind part of this as well. And of course, uh, you know, if there's been there's been some acquisitions, they acquired a caravan maker, a big one in Australia called Fleetwood, that makes uh, Windsor caravans, which people may have seen. Uh, they did that in the last six to twelve months. So, you know, any any sort of um, company that's growing fast, particularly via acquisitions, it, all it takes is uh, is a few hiccups along the way, and that can cause people to lose their nerve. Um, I think this company's been around long enough and is very experienced, so I'm, I'm not too perturbed about these kind of short-term problems. But it is always uh, a difficult thing to do to buy a share price when it's falling. Uh, market, market, uh, well, investors in the stock market often calling call that catching the falling knife, which is hard to do. I don't, you ever played that game, Cam, with your kids where you take $5 and hold it above their fingers and say, if you can catch it when I drop it, you can keep it? No, we, we actually play it with real knives, Tony. You I, play with real knives? Oh, yeah, I drop knives yeah. towards them and say, if you can catch it, you, you, you deserve to inherit my kingdom. Right. And, and put, put the knife over their foot to give it a bit of downside uh, excitement too. Oh, I hang it over their head, but okay. Foot? <laughs> yeah, you could do that too if you're lame. Yeah, anyway, yeah. catch a falling knife. So, Catch I, a falling knife. Yeah, it's there's it's buying a stock when it's uh, in, in going in a downturn. Is that what you're saying? That's right. Yeah. So typically you're looking for a catalyst, and I thought the results, the half year results, about a month ago would be the catalyst because I thought the numbers were good, even though they included the profit downgrade, um, but it still kept declining from there. But it's only in the last week that it's ticked up again. But I uh, I did buy them at their at their half yearly results. Um, I was wary of catching the falling knife, but as we'll see when we go through the checklist, it's it's a pretty 
it's a pretty compelling story from the quality side and the value side. So, uh, so you bought them? Would you say about six months ago? No, no, I bought them about a month ago. Oh, a month ago, and but you'd owned them before that. Yeah, I did. So, if you look at the share price graph, it went up sort of eighteen months to a year ago, and I I bought them on that upswing, and then when the stock price turned down, I sold them. Right. Okay. And I often do that. I think it's a, it's not a bad catalyst either way. That three point trend check. So. It broke the three-point trend on the way down and I sold them and it's getting close to that three-point uptrend again on the way up now, so it's I'd consider it a buy. So when you sold, going back whenever that was, a year or so ago, you did the full checklist on it or was it just the three-point trend that was the trigger for you? Uh, in that case, it was the three-point trend. So the checklist was still pretty good. Huh. It was very good on the way up, but yeah, it's it's... Yeah, on these kinds, particularly small cap stocks where you, you know, you're not always in possession of all the information. Um, when you see it start to go against you, you're better off cashing out and going. Now, these, this is a fairly recent uh, listing by the looks of it. I've tried to look back 10 years on the ASX chart and it only goes back to like January 17. No, November 16. Yeah. So they only floated around about November 16. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but the company's so been, been around a- since '85. I see. I think the two guys that run it now, their parents started it. By the looks of it, correct. Yeah. Okay. So they've been around a long mm. time. Second generation business um, floated late 2016. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Okay. Okay, so that's kind of all the context for this. Um, if we go through the checklist, that's probably going to be helpful to uh, give us a score and tell us how good this is. But. Mm. Um, mm. Now, if this is the first episode of QAV that you've listened to, or if you've listened to the couple of recent ones where we weren't doing share analysis, uh, you, you probably don't know what this checklist thing is that Tony just mentioned. Um, now isn't a good time for me to get into it, quite honestly. It's a big subject, uh, and it's the it's at the core of how Tony decides whether or not a company is a good investment for him. Again, not advice, just opinion, or not. So we we go into a lot of detail explaining the checklist in episode two. So I recommend if this is your first uh, time hearing about the checklist, go back, go to our website, qavpodcast.com.au or go to iTunes or or, or, or Spotify or Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts, track down episode two and maybe three or four when we go into some um, explanation about how to make them work how to use the checklist. You can find a copy of the checklist up on our website as well. And um, go do that before you listen to the rest of this episode because, quite frankly, uh, it's not going to make a lot of sense and you're going to get lost really quickly. So uh, that's my recommendation. But, hey, I'm not the boss of you. you. You do you. I would just recommend that. But I want to warn you now that this episode is very data-heavy, uh, not the kind of thing you're going to want to listen to at the gym or driving your car, probably. This is more like a class, this this podcast. So sit down, pen and paper, 
glass of scotch, maybe a cigar. Uh, send me a cigar if you have you a might, spare one. You, you want to read out the checklist in your um, order? And I, I you want to pay attention, Tony. Yes, okay. So the first one that I have is, teaching does it meet the financial health criteria on, say, Stock Doctor and, and um, It's not light yeah, listening. So it's, it's not listening. Uh, you're looking for something light to listen to right now. Go listen to one of my history podcasts on podcastnetwork.com. This is not the show for you right now. This is... So details, big details. So, um, because it's not on Stock Doctor, do you combine those two scores or do you just give it the one? I give it one out of two. So it's a zero for, stock, for being a star stock and it's a one for share analysis. Right, one out of two. So a 0.5 there. Mm-hmm. Why, why would it not be on Stock Doctor? Uh, it, is a, it is on Stock Doctor and we'll see a bit <sighs> later on. The financial health is strong and consistently strong. But it's not a star stock. Oh, it's not a star. So it is on there, but it's not a star stock. I get you. I thought it wasn't on there at all. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the reason why it's not a star stock, just having a quick look at Stock Doctor, is that the fact that um, they did that profit downgrade uh, with their half year results. So I'm just making some notes for myself here. Okay. So the next one I've got is is the share price beneath the Stock Doctor intrinsic value? So we don't have a stock doctor intrinsic value. They only give us those for star stocks. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, so it's uh, I wouldn't score it on that metric. Stock doctor has started including a consensus valuation, um, which is a dollar twenty-seven. So I'm not going to use that as part of the scoring though, because it's not a star stock. So I wouldn't. I'll just blank that one. Oh, okay. So we're not going to use an alternative intrinsic value calculation there. No, we'll just move on to the share analysis one. So the share analysis uh, intrinsic value is a dollar eleven. Okay. Share price is below that, so it gets a one. So again, it gets a point five. Yeah. Well, that gets a one because we're we're not going to use Stock Doctor as part of the scoring in this one because it doesn't have a uh, doesn't have an intrinsic value. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So that's that's probably an important point to note. If we can't score something on one of these checklist items, we don't add it up in the denominator as we you know do on the for the other ones right so yep sometimes we're doing a score out of 20 sometimes it's 17 sometimes it's 15 just depends how much information is available right okay next one is it below my intrinsic value if i use a 19 percent hurdle rate and it's not earnings per share divided by 19 percent is around 45 cents so it's not uh, earnings per share is 8.87 cents and then divided by 19.5 percent is 0.45 right Okay, so it gets a zero for the 19% mm-hmm. hurdle rate. Uh, is the forecast intrinsic value using a hurdle rate of 7.5% below the share price? It's above the share price, so it's, uh, it is. So earnings per share forecast, and again I'm using Stock Doctor here, is $0.12 cents a share and uh, $0.12 cents divided by 7.5% is $1.60. So it gets a one for that. Correct. Yeah. And this is an interesting thing. I mean, it's, I've been scratching my head about that because earnings per share went down for the half and they called that out. And they said that was because of their staffing costs increases as they grow. They're forecasting 12 cents a share, which is quite a big jump, which is fantastic growth. But I would put a question mark over whether they'll achieve that or whether they'll come back again and say, you know, we have problems. But the forecast intrinsic value that you're using isn't the company's forecast, right? It's the stock doctor or share analysis uh, forecast? Uh, it's It would have come from the company. So it's the earnings per share in the forecast column in stock doctor. 
but I'm pretty sure that would be a guidance from the company. If it's not coming from the company, it would be the consensus EPS forecast from the brokers that cover it. Right. Yeah, so it's one or the other, and chances are the brokers got their consensus forecast from the company anyway, so... Oh, okay. So how reliable usually are companies' forecasts for things like that? Well, they're usually pretty good, but it, there is a bit of, there is another rule or another truism in the market that, that one, you know, one downgrade is often followed by two or three. So it's, it's possible that they'll come back and confess that they're not going to meet that 12%, oh, sorry, 12 cents earnings per share. Okay. Next, next half. But, but, for, we'll see. but for this one, you're just taking their forecast at face value. I am, and I think it's one of the benefits of the checklist is if we get one item wrong, it's not buggering up the score completely. Uh-huh. You've got to have a, a lot of things go against you before you do that. So, yeah, we could be wrong on this, but it's not going to screw the numbers too much. Right. Okay, next one I've got is price to book. Is the share price less than 30% above the net equity per share? Equity is $129 million. Number of shares is 184 million shares. So equity per share is... 70 cents. Right. Less than 30% above the net equity per share. So net equity per share is 70 cents. The share price is a dollar. So it's a little bit above 30% at the moment on the line. On the line. And you could probably, you could give this one a 0.5, but uh, I gave it a zero. When I bought the shares, they were, they were 93, 94 cents and it was a, it was a one then, but um, it's not going to make much difference to us. Okay. All right, next one. Does the share price have a positive trend? Is this the three-point trend we want to see? It is, exactly. Right. And so currently it doesn't. It's been in decline for most of the year. So I give it a zero, but it is a bit of a watch, this one, because like I said, in the last week, it's gone from $0.84 to a dollar. So just remind me, with the three-point trend, how far do I go back if I'm looking for the up, the, the sort of the peaks, how far do I go back to draw my line through them? Yeah, I use five-year monthly. I prefer monthly because it takes lots of the minute ups and downs out. If I draw a line through the top two in the last six months, it's pretty close. It is, yeah, it's getting there. That's what I'm saying. It's it's um, interesting how it's ticked up in the last week or so. Mm. It's, it's close, it's, close. But it's not there yet. Right, yeah. okay. So it gets a zero on that. Yeah, but it's worth watching. I mean, I'd probably go back to this every week and just check it again and see if it makes a, a big upturn. Right. Okay, is it the lowest PE in the last three years? PE is currently 11.27. Right. and Which is the mm-hmm. second lowest in the last six. Mm-hmm. Second lowest since listing, in fact, in this case. Right. So I, I give it a 0.5 because it's low. Oh, okay. 0.5 for that one. All right, next one. Growth of the earnings per share to PE more than 1.5. God, man, it's been so many weeks since we've done this, it's doing my head in again. Um, gro- is the growth of the earnings per share to PE, so divided by PE. Yeah. Earnings so, per so share, growth, you've got eight, yeah. 8.87 up to 12, so there's growth there. Yeah. Which which was 35% odd growth. Right. And then the PE is 11.27. But we're doing this as uh, remind me gro- the the growth number we're putting that as what a cents or a percentage price to earnings. Uh, so I'm using thirty five percent, and then the uh, and then the P is a number, and then in Excel I'm just making it the result a number. 
Right. Thirty-five percent, so point three five. Yeah, you're going to multiply. So actually, you're right. You should. Should we just do thirty-five over eleven point two seven? Oh, okay. Because I'd multiply the answer by a hundred otherwise. But yeah. So it's three point one. Yep. So it's growing higher than one point five. So it gets a one. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I'm excited for these companies when they get a one, when they get a score. <laughs> I feel like I should call them up, let them know. Uh, does the company have a consistently increasing equity? You're getting this from Stock Doctor? I am, yeah. So it does. Um, listed with $49 million in equity, then 101 then 113 117 $129 million in the last half. So, yes, consistently increasing. And this basically just means they're, they're making money. They're making money, exactly, yeah. And or buying assets that uh, are have net value. Yeah, they're doing both. So I think that's the real trick to this company is it's got lots of operating cash coming in through the front door Mm -hmm. and it's using that to fund growth. If it's sensible about that, um, yeah, it'll flow through to the equity. Mm -hmm. All right, next one is the PE less than the yield. Uh, The PE is 11.27. The yield is? The yield is currently, yeah, dead on 5, 5%. Right. So, so no, so that's a no. That's a zero. <laughs> Is the dividend yield higher than the mortgage rate? Mm. So again, when I when I bought it, it was it was sort of five point seven ish. It's dropped down to five now, which is around the mortgage rate. So I'd probably still give this a point five. A point five. Okay. Yeah. Is the financial health from the subscription services stable or increasing? Yes, it is. So Stock Doctor has got strong financial health since listing. Okay. Is my forecast intrinsic value more than two times the current share price? My forecast was dollar sixty. Share price mm-hmm. is a buck. Yep. So zero. zero. Look for the most undervalued of the top ten. It's not on the top ten, right? So no, correct. So no, just blank that one. Yep. Blanket or zero it. Zero it. Blank. Blanket. Blanket. Yeah, well, it's not a top 10 stock, so you can't really oh. – or top 20 stock, so you can't really score it. Oh, okay. Is the uh, price per share divided by the cash per share less than or equal to six? So cash per share – let's just have a look at that. Cash flow is $108.539 million, and number of shares I think I gave you before – was 184 million. So cash per share I'm getting is 1.6. Oh, sorry, 1.7. 1.71. So 1.7. So it's a zero. No, it's a one. It's a huge. That's a great what? number. The lower the number, the better. If it's less than oh, or equal to six, we give it a score. Oh, okay. So what, what it's basically saying is that there's heaps of cash coming through, $108 million, and there's a hundred and 84 million shares, and the share price is a dollar. So that's really good. Aha. Uh-huh. And in fact, we'll give that, we give that one a two. A two? A two. That's an important one. Is the CEO an owner founder? Um, yeah. 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 Yep. Not a founder, but an owner. Sons of the founder. Well, Son of the founder. Sons of the founder, yeah. I'm assuming they grew up in the business, so I'm going to count them as a founder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to get that one. That one's important too, so I'll give that one a two. Oh, okay. 
Intrinsic value going up in the future? Yes, we've already said yes. Yes, that's right. Okay. And now we total the score. Okay, so I'm getting 11.5, but there's a couple we blanked out here. Only only one we blanked out. We blanked out two, the Stock Doctor intrinsic value and the top 10 ASX. Right, but yeah, the Stock Doctor intrinsic value, normally I would just count that as one question out of the 17, right? Oh, okay. So you've given it 0. 0.5, haven't you, for those two metrics, stock doctor? Yeah, I think so. Analysis. Yeah, because we normally add them together. Yeah. But right, if I'm okay. blanking that out, then I should just go back and make that a 0. 0.5, not a 1. It should either be a 0. 0.5 and you count it as one line or a 1 and you count them both separately. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to count that it as a 0. 0.5 and just count it yeah. as one. Makes my spreadsheet easier. Yeah. All right. So. Okay. 11, and we're dividing it by, so that'll be 16. So when I divide the total score 11 by 16, I'm getting 0.687, So what I've got here is we only want to invest in stocks that score 75% or above. Yeah, so that's 68, 69%, which is below 75, our threshold. Um, the reason why I bought the stock was because when I did the numbers, it was, I think, a 93 or 4 buy price and the share. That that checklist came out above 75% because of that. Then we want to take the checklist score, divide it by the price to cash flow number. Did we, have we got the price to cash flow? Yeah, that was 1.7. Uh, okay. So I'm dividing the 0.6875 by 1.7. That's our QAV score. Right. So the, the yeah. checklist score, 0.685, divided by the price to operating cash flow, which is 1.7, gives us the 0.4, and we want to buy something that's greater than 0.1. Correct. Okay. Yep. So this, this, this comes out looking good. Well above the 0.1, yeah. It's probably one of the highest stocks on my checklist. Huh. Yeah. But like I said, there's a couple of caveats there to be careful of. What's happening with the share price trend? Um, what's happening? You know, is that future growth in the earnings per share going to happen? So, I guess it's time to talk about what size position we would take in this in this stock if we were buying it. Now, the the way you would look at the way I look at um, how much to buy is to look at how much is traded every day. And Stock Doctor reports the average daily traded value as being 122,000 per day. So I'm going to take a position which is much smaller than that to allow other people to trade on the same day. And the rule of thumb is usually you want to take uh, no more than about 20% of that. <laughs> so 10 to 20%. So something around 10 to $12,000. Is the most you'd want to buy, which is a small trade in a, you know, for a large portfolio. It might be a big trade for some of the people who are listening. Um, but <laughs> stop laughing. <laughs> Can you push the mute button when you laugh? Yeah, no, I just, you know, I'm glad you told me that because I had a spare 122 grand line here that I was thinking about putting into it. But I'm glad that you told me I shouldn't do that. That's that's a that's a relief. No, just put 12. Put yeah. 12 grand. In. Yeah, yeah. No worries. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that's that's just uh, what we haven't discussed that before about how much do you buy into a stock, and this is a small stock in terms of the ASX. One hundred and twenty-two thousand is a small amount traded per day. So, 
Tell me again. Tell me yeah. again why this is important. The liquidity of it. Well, recall. I think we made mention of the fire exit in the movie yep. theater yep. paradigms. Yeah. You, you, when it's time to get out, you don't want to be rushing through a small door. So, you don't want to buy more than five or ten percent, or sorry, uh, ten to twenty percent of the average daily volume. So, when it comes time to sell, you've got more of a chance of getting out quickly. If there's a stampede. But if there is a stampede, there's going to be more shares trading every day, right? Uh, yeah, quite possibly, but maybe not because, like, those owners would have a large shareholding themselves, so they'll probably stick it out. So it's the free float that we're looking for. Right. It's not It's not worth the risk, really, of, of doing that. Unless I was 100% sure this was going to go up, it was all going to be mm. aces, and I can't be in this kind of stock. You can only go on what the information is that's available. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a really interesting one. Yeah, and I think it's. Um, I was looking over my portfolio. I think in the last twelve months, I've done a lot more of these small cap trades. Uh, so taking relatively small positions in a lot of stocks, um, and all these small cap companies have done well um, in the last twelve months, and that happens from time to time. The market goes in cycles, and sometimes big caps win, sometimes small caps win, sometimes mining stocks win. Whatever the segment is, they always have their day in the sun. I don't tend to focus on that. I just kind of find out after a while that, oh, yeah, small caps are doing well. I keep meeting my checklist scores. And I, at the moment, I've wound up with a portfolio with lots of stocks in it. Well, this is the first time we've covered a stock that actually got a buy recommendation from you. Again, not financial advice, your personal opinion. Um, should we start our uh, dummy portfolio? Yeah, why not? So, um, should I just throw that into a spreadsheet? And uh, is that the best way of doing it, or do you have a better idea? No, I put it in a spreadsheet. You should record the date and the price and how much we bought. Dummy portfolio. All right. So we're saying ATL. We can buy that today at one dollar. And how uh, how much should we buy? Just say. Yeah. Well. Uh- let me buy $12,000 worth, 10% of the average daily traded. Okay, shares purchased. We may scale that. We may have to scale that because, like, if we do a big cap stock next week, uh, 10% of, like, 5 billion average daily trade is going to dwarf this one, so we might scale this up or down. But for now, we'll use 10% of average daily traded as our goal. Right. Actually, it's good. It's a good good question, though. I, mean, um, I, I tend to, to ratio these purchases by the size that's available for trade that on average. So big cap stocks get more of my money than small cap right. stocks. But um, for someone starting out, you don't have to do that. It's just, just something that I do because of liquidity. Um, but yeah, we could we could just rate the portfolio evenly. If we bought a thousand shares in each one, that might give us a fair idea, uh, idea of the tracking of the performance of the portfolio. Let's do that. I like that idea. Makes the maths easier okay. for my tiny, tiny brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it does decomplicate things a little bit, simplify things a little bit. Decomplicate. I like that. I'm going to use that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's decomplicate. decomplicate things. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we found it. We found a. We found a good one. So I don't know. Is there, is there anything else we should know about this company? I feel like I need to know more about it. They do cars for hire. Is that it? Basically, rentals, car rentals, recreational vehicles. Yeah, vans. Vans. Basically. Recreational yeah. vehicles. Bed in the back, or sometimes they're like a Winnebago, a bit bigger than that. Yeah, they sell them, they make them, and they rent them. 
So vertically integrated, and they're expanding. They overseas. make so, them. Yeah, yeah, they've been licensed to make Winnebago's in Australia, and I think they make some other ones off their own bat, their own design. Yeah, right. Apollo manufactures Talvor and Winnebago branded RVs. And that's part of their business model is they make them. I think it then it, they can sell them uh, through you like that, but they also then put them through their rental fleet and they try and sell them again after a certain period of time, three or four years, I guess. Right. So as you said, ver- vertically integrated, so they uh, keep as much of the margin as possible. Yeah. yeah, and I guess that would probably also give them control over the supply and demand as well, which would help. If they know they've got lots of fleet, you know, ex-rentals about to sell, they may not make as much new ones, for example. I don't know. Hmm. But there's some, there's some benefits in being vertically integrated in that. And, and it's, a, it's a fairly small market. There's not much. I can't think of much in the way of competition for them in that market. Yeah, it says our fleet is estimated to be the largest in Australia and among the largest in all of the other jurisdictions we operate in, which includes Canada, the United States, Germany, the United Kingdom and Ireland, apparently, and New Zealand. Hmm. They, they were certainly big in New Zealand. We used to see lots of them hmm. over there. New Zealand was a kind kind of country where tourists would fly into Auckland and hire a rental and drive it down to Christchurch mm-hmm. and get rid of it there. Yeah, and they're Brisbane based by the looks of it. Headquarters are in Northgate, Nudgee Road. I was down there on the weekend. Probably drove past their head office. All oh, right, you can drop in and say hi. Yeah, tell them what their QAV score. I is. will. Okay, actually, we should get some like QAV approved stickers made up. I'll go and or a certificate. I can present them <laughs> with the first certificate, QAV, Kino approved. There you go, Kino. That's even better. Kino approved certificate. That'd be fun. At asterisk, asterisk hashtag, not a recommendation. Yes. Financial <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I might do that. That actually sounds like fun. I'll go down, little camera crew, just tell them we want to present them with uh, this little trophy. I'll get them on the podcast, see if they want to come on. Yeah, let's do that. I'm sure they've got nothing better to do with their time than come on our podcast. Yeah. All right. Uh, Thanks. Good. Thanks, Kano. Well, uh, I don't know what we'll do next week, but uh, that was a good one. Okay, mate. Cheers, mate. And Tony and I would just like to remind you before you go anywhere, as Tony just said, not financial advice. If you want financial advice, see a financial advisor. This is just uh, opinions, analysis, and a fun chat. Be nice to each other, and we'll see you next week.